The story Richard Cantillon in Buenos Aires was created as a thought experiment. One of the few things we can be certain about when considering this most uncertain of characters is that he never went to Buenos Aires. Or did he? Cantillon, the financier, the economist and the coiner of the term entrepreneur in his posthumous work, an essay on the nature of commerce in general, seems to have been everywhere. And for a man born around 1680 in Ballyhigh, County Kerry, his ambition and global reach knew no bounds. From Scotland to Spain, his financial wizardry kept armies on the move and influenced the wealth of nations. It was Cantillon and John Law who created and profited from the Mississippi Company, whose mercurial boom and bust on the stock markets of early 18th century Europe made and ruined fortunes. Cantillon seems almost to have been unable to have stopped making money. So when he died in a fire in his top-of-the-range house in London's Albemarle Street, his biographer Antoine E. Murphy seemed unconvinced that the body that represented Cantillon was the man himself. And he was intrigued by the appearance of papers relating to Cantillon and his estates in Suriname six months later. Did Cantillon do a runner? setting his wife up with a suitor and avoiding prosecutions concerning his financial dealings by feigning his own death and running away. Maybe, I thought. And so, in the interest of trying to understand this entrepreneur, I tried to imagine where he might have gone and what might have happened if he'd made it. The conclusion I came to was that Buenos Aires might have been cosmopolitan enough to have satisfied Cantillon's polyglot capacities, his intellectual curiosity and his European leaning. Of all the places in the New World, Buenos Aires, even in 1734, seemed to encapsulate a melting pot of Mediterranean and South American thought. So what began as an investigation into an alternative history with the simple ambition of discerning an interesting character from the past, became a work about place. Because although I'd never visited Buenos Aires, the character of the place, through some Borgesian process, seemed to have overrun my story. It had already been inspired by a Colombian writer, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, a very old man with enormous wings, published in 1955. I'd always liked this children's story and its episodic and, to me, rather eccentric structure and striking imagery with its spiders and crabs lent itself to adaption, a task I asked scriptwriting students to take on. Skellig by David Almond, a book and a film, is one such adaptation. I didn't expect my character, or Cantillon, to find himself when he arrived in Buenos Aires stumbling into a world in which what Foucault described as taxonomy, in the order of things, was so contested. Cantillon, when he visited Buenos Aires, became obsessed with one of the resident's preoccupations. Who was this other version of Cantillon, who wanted a little furlough from himself in South America? 
Could it be that Borges' interest in maps, order and identity arose because those are the things Buenos Aires are built on? A psychological fault line between one version of the way things are and other versions of the way things might be, which once articulated spring into life and conflict with themselves. Another Argentinian writer, Silvina Ocampo, a favourite of mine because she wrote for children and adults, neither in the parabolic, symbolic style of Marquez or the Confucian style of Borges, her stories always seem to me to be about themselves, their characters and their contexts. They seem to be sealed in and complete, which of course allows for all the other ideas, because the presence of a seal suggests that without it they would come in, which means that they are already in, because we are not talking about physical things, we're talking about thoughts. The other thing about the impact real Buenos Aires had on my story was that it revealed to me that historical fiction is science fiction. The Buenos Aires I am describing is based on my research. I have looked at maps from the early 18th century, read theses on the history of Buenos Aires, and studied Google Maps, Rio Plata, Montevideo, Buenos Aires, and Colonia del Sacramento. The Buenos Aires I am describing happened 286 years ago. We can guess with increasing accuracy at what this was like, but we can never really know although I think I am saying that it was already a place which contained people who were considering the same or similar issues as Borges and Ocampo. For this reason, my historical story became a piece of science fiction. It was based on extrapolation. I could not know the past just as I did not know the geography, and even if I had once looked at the real Buenos Aires or met somebody on the Avenida Nueve de Julio, it wouldn't have given my story any more or less relevance, because a story is sealed off. So when we write about the past, we are writing about another world, something that science fiction writers enjoy doing, and those that who write historical fiction seem to regard as a little unhistorical. How can stories about the past be historical? They are sealed off, just like it is. To complete this process, the story is written in the wrong language. Cantillon was an excellent linguist and would have spoken in Spanish. Although nobody in this story speaks Spanish, and the language it is written in is English. It is in Spanish. <laughs>